I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. I get a lot of people who come to me and they're like, I don't know if this is normal. I was told it's not, but if it feels off in your body, you know your body better than anyone else. So just trust that. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 490 with guest Dr. Saru Bala. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you're here. Do you want to know something that I'm a little bit self-conscious of? I mean, you probably don't, but I'll tell you anyway. So I know that I'm not the only podcast that you listen to. I'm, I'm aware that there are others. And I listen to other podcasts. And you know how when the podcast host or even the guests have a really great microphone, which is better, right? It sounds better. This one that I'm using is one of the best in podcasting. The bad news is that it picks up everything. Every little wetness in your mouth or or not wetness enough sometimes. It's like the sticky stuff that you can hear. And some people really hate that. I'm kind of neutral. I don't doesn't really bother me all that much either way. But there are some podcasts that I listen to and I have, you know, you get to know the little idiosyncrasies of the person's speech. And I've noticed when I'm listening to, back to my show for whatever reason, I don't listen back to every episode, but I do this thing where I breathe in. So I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going to explain it because then there's going to be people who are like, I never noticed that before, but now I do. And it's annoying. <laughs> so I'm not going to introduce you to a sound that you might not have previously heard about. But anyway, I'm self-conscious of it. And so I try to make sure that I drink enough water and I don't have like that gross, sticky sound. You know what else is happening today that doesn't have anything to do with anything, but it's on my mind? Have you ever had a pimple 
right below one of your nostrils. It what why? Why is that spot so tender? And like you know you can feel it coming the day before you're like, "Oh no, this is coming." I swear I feel like I'm being punished. <laughs> something that and when they're on your lip line those are the worst spots oh oh my god that hurts yikes i wouldn't wish that i wouldn't wish that upon anyone anyway back to back to what we're supposed to be talking about today we're on women's health and we're talking about periods today you know what's funny is there's kind of this joke that i have where people ask what do you talk about on your podcast or what do you talk about during your retreats. And I will say, we talk about our feelings and our periods. And I'm just kidding. Like, we don't. We talk about our feelings. And actually, at the last retreat that I hosted, we did talk about our periods because I told you guys my period was like two months late. Yeah, that was happening. At any rate, now we are talking about our periods (laughs) or lack thereof on today's episode because we're on women's health. And I wanted to have someone on to talk about things like what's normal in terms of period pain? Are there any supplements we should be doing? What what are we supposed to track? Is it just the days? And anyway, so those are some of the questions that I ask Dr. Bala today. And I'm excited to keep going with this particular theme because as I mentioned, I believe it was last week, the reason that I wanted to do a specific theme on women's health is because I do feel like if we don't have our physical health together, if we're not well, then it's really hard to focus on our mental health. And the two go hand in hand. I am noticing that now as I am in a season of my life where my physical health isn't the best and it's been consistently a challenge for uh, on and off for a matter of years now. And so selfishly, I'm taking you along this journey with me (laughs) as I I get to the bottom and try to learn more about uh, women's health in general. So I really hope that you're enjoying these. I've really enjoyed having these guests on and, and making these connections and introducing you to these amazing people's body of work. And if you missed it, in case you missed it, there was an announcement last week that How to Stop Feeling Like Shit has been updated and re-releasing. December 27th, 2022, it has a bright yellow cover this time around. I've added excerpts to every single chapter in that book, new tools, new insights, new techniques, and I'm really excited. There's a bunch of free stuff. If you go to andreaowen.com slash HTSFLS, If you purchase the updated copy, there is a free workbook. There is a private secret podcast series that has everything to do with this revised updated book. What else? We're doing a giveaway. There's a sharing thing where if you share on social media, you get entered to win a drawing. It's super easy. And we're giving away lots of amazing prizes, including a one-on-one session with me, candles from my favorite candle places. Go check it out. Some really awesome things. I appreciate you supporting this book and supporting it so much that I was able to do a revision. And it's kind of a dream come true, I think, for any author as years go by and we gain new insight and things happen and we have additional things to say that we wish that we could put in the book. I'm getting that opportunity and I appreciate you so much supporting How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. All right. That being said, let's get on with the show. Let me tell you a little bit about today's guest. 
Dr. Saru Bala is a licensed naturopath doctor specializing in women's hormonal health. Her focus is from your first period to your last, and her work centers around education for you and finding you options other than birth control for your hormonal issues. So without further ado, here is Dr. Bala. Dr. Bala, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I, again, found you on TikTok. And I say again, because so many of my guests in 2022 (laughs) have been from TikTok and and I love the algorithm, like definitely knows like the things I'm struggling with. And it's, it's very much like, like my audience, but I think the thing that this may have been like the very first video of yours that I saw when you were talking about how it's not normal. Like we grow up thinking, you know, those of us that have uteruses and periods, like we grow up thinking, I think the majority of us like period pain and period cramps is just normal. It's just a part of it's common and normal. And so I, I'm pretty sure your video said that it's not actually normal to be in pain every time we have our period. So did I, did I understand that correctly? Is that right? Yes, that is right. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, I think are just taught by society. Like, yeah, it's normal. You have a period. It's supposed to be painful. You're supposed to be doubled over. You're supposed to feel miserable. Yeah. It will, that's, that's the curse, right? Do they still call it that? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I hope they don't because I don't want anyone to think, yeah, I know. I don't want anyone to think that being a woman and having a period means you're cursed because that's so sad. It's not right. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, okay. So it's not like what what's the difference between just like mild cramping and then something that we should get checked out? So here's the way that I like to describe it to people. So if you are going to the gym and working out, um, and then you're a little bit sore the next day, you're not taking ibuprofen. You're not, you know, calling out sick from work. You're not laying on the couch with a heating pad all over your muscles, right? I mean, maybe, but if you are, we probably need to talk about how you go at the gym, but that's probably not what you're doing. That's the level of soreness that is expected and normal for a period, right? Your muscles are contracting. Your uterus is contracting contracting. It's expelling that lining. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to experience some discomfort. You're definitely going to have a little bit of, um, of, of cramping and soreness, but it shouldn't be anything more than that. You shouldn't be in pain. You shouldn't be having to cancel your plans. You shouldn't be having to stay home because of your period. You shouldn't be having nausea or dizziness or having to pop pain pills around the clock because you're in so much pain. So Mm -hmm. none of that is normal soreness. Absolutely. Of course you're going to be a little bit sore, but it shouldn't interfere with your day-to-day activities. That's interesting. I never knew that. So what, I mean, I know it's, you're not going to be like, okay, here's, here's what's wrong with you. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) diagnose this imaginary person, but, and I don't, you don't want to scare people, but what are like some things that it could be like everything from, you know, this mildly could be going on to like, yeah, this could really be a problem. Like what are, what are some possibilities? Usually when you have period pain, it can be a few different things. It could have a hormonal component. It could also have that inflammatory component. Um, it could be endometriosis. Um, there could be infections or fibroids or something else causing it. So there's a lot of things that we want to consider. Right. And once you had kind of those bigger things rolled out, we know it's not a fibroid. We know it's not an infection. We know there's nothing major going on. Then we like to think, okay, how are your inflammatory levels doing? What are your hormones doing? Especially with people who have endometriosis, we really want to look at um, 
overall inflammatory levels and estrogen levels, because estrogen is what is stimulating those endometrial lesions. So what we see is people who have endometriosis end up having a lot more pain when their estrogen levels are really high, but it's also an inflammatory condition. So overall inflammatory levels also make a really big difference. Those prostaglandins, which are these Mm -hmm. um, chemical like hormones in our body, or sorry, hormone like chemicals in our body that are responsible for the smooth muscle contraction. And Mm -hmm. so that is what is causing your uterus to contract in the first place. And when we have too much of that, it's going to cause a a lot more pain for some people. So that's where I like to say, okay, well, if everything else looks good, what are your hormones doing and how are your overall inflammatory levels? Okay. And so I was, it was kind of a toss up in my head of whether or not I was going to ask you about this, but since you mentioned prostaglandins, mm-hmm. <laughs> what is, cause I learned about that when I, when I Googled a couple of years ago is period poop a thing? Because I just thought it was like a joke <laughs> among my girlfriends. Like, Oh, yes. I have my period right now. And I have period poop. It's the worst. Oh and God, so it's actually it. a thing and it's caused by mm-hmm. prostaglandins. So is, is that another thing that's normal, like period poop, which kind of borders on diarrhea, but it's not diarrhea. Right. Yes. Very similar. And it's because of those prostaglandins. So often so many people say that they have um, period poops in conjunction with their period pain. And that's just a big red flag to me that, Hey, your prostaglandins are probably pretty high. Um, and that is because prostaglandins, like I said before, they are responsible for that smooth muscle contraction. Your uterus is a smooth muscle and you know what else is a smooth muscle, your colon. colon. So Mm -hmm. the more prostaglandins you have, the more stimulation you're going to get for your colon as well. So that's why sometimes right before your period, sometimes right around your period, um, you're going to notice just an increase in poops. I am going to have to, I'm going to send you um, a TikTok that actually went viral. Do you remember the TikTok sound that was going around where it was all, we're done, (laughs) you're done. It was that one. And I said something like when the coffee and the period poops collide. And then I took a picture of like the large intestine (laughs) with the face on it. And I guess a lot of people could relate. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. I cannot even imagine having to do coffee and uh, have a period poop at the same time. I'm very sensitive to, to caffeine. And sometimes when I have too much of it and when it's a, you know, first day of my period, my large intestine thinks that's hilarious, but anyway, enough, enough about that. (laughs) So, okay. So just so we're clear. So some period poop is normal just because of the presence of the extra prostaglandins. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. fair? Yeah, okay. exactly. Yep. Okay. So can we talk about bloating for a minute? Because is it similar to cramps where we can have like some bloating, but too much bloating could be a problem? Yes. So the reason that you get bloated right before your period starts is usually because of progesterone. And if your progesterone levels are really good, sometimes you're going to have more bloating. That's also why when you're pregnant, you just feel so uncomfortable and bloated and just like heavy and full. Yeah. Aside from, you know, the baby being there, you're also just Mm -hmm. got so much progesterone and that's also causing a lot of that bloating and constipation as well. So that hormone, unfortunately, is the one that is responsible for that. It's also fascinating to me because Midol is one of those over-the-counter things that feels so amazing because it hits all of these things that become problematic for people who are having their period. You know, it helps with Mm -hmm. headaches, bloating, mood. And so to me, the fact that I always grew up, like the fact that they make a medication specifically for that means Mm -hmm. that it's so common 
that mm-hmm. all of this is normal for to have this pain. Good. Now, nice that I'm now knowing this, like as I'm moving towards the end of my um, period career, but um, <laughs> I want to ask you about, about PMS and. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Why do some, I'm I'm assuming this is also a hormonal thing. And why do some women have it worse than others? PMS is kind of a broad term for a lot of different symptoms. Um, I remember reading a research article that said there were 90 different symptoms associated with PMS. So it can look different for everyone, needless to say. But typically um, it's kind of starts with those mood symptoms, right? Like the irritability, the mood swings, the um, depression or anxiety for some people. It can also be the physical symptoms. So the pain and the headaches and the breast tenderness and the bloating and migraines or the quote unquote period flu. All of those are also PMS symptoms. Um, And so again, caused by those hormonal uh, shifts and fluctuations. Typically what I see most associated with the majority of PMS symptoms is that estrogen level being so high. So when your estrogen levels are too high or your progesterone levels aren't there to kind of match those estrogen levels, Mm -hmm. sometimes I see a combo of both where estrogen's really high and progesterone's pretty low, that shift. So right before your period starts, all your hormones kind of drop off and that drop off is what causes a lot of those symptoms for most people. And, you know, the higher your estrogen levels are and the the more they have to drop, the bigger the crash. So that's kind of where a lot of those symptoms are coming from. That drop in that estrogen can trigger those migraines or headaches can trigger um, that high levels of estrogen can trigger the breast tenderness. It can trigger mood swings. So that's typically what I, I usually see most often is that high estrogen and low progesterone. 
hearing you say all this for the last few minutes, I'm thinking to myself, like women are amazing creatures. Like honestly, that we are so resilient that we can survive this fluctuation in our hormones, not just when we go through puberty or give birth or go through menopause, but every single freaking month all over the place. And it's like, I am just, um, I just finished breastfeeding a couple of weeks ago and I can't even tell you the hormonal shifts I've been having. I'm like, what is this? And you think like I'm 13 months postpartum, you thought it was over in like the first few months after giving birth and you had that shift and your hair falls out and you feel all over the place. I'm like, okay, I made it through that hump. Like now we're done. Mm -hmm. And then it happens all over again with breastfeeding when you stop or or when you wean. And it's just like, there's so many things that our bodies do that men never have to go through. They never have to experience and they'll never understand. And it's like, how, how does, how does our body do it? (laughs) I'm like, how can I possibly handle any more of this? It's kind of crazy. It's fascinating. And just, uh, it's also just really awe-inspiring too. Okay. So I know on your social media, you talk about tracking your period. And so you talk about, you know, it's more than just tracking like what day your period is on. So can you talk about the things, the additional things that women should track? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a few things that I like to make sure to track, not only the first day that you start bleeding and that includes the first full day of bleeding, not spotting. So I want to make that clear because a lot of people will start counting as soon as they start spotting. I want a full bright red blood. That's when we count our first day. So that's the first thing I want you to count. Um, and then the other thing is how many days are you bleeding? That does include spotting at the end. So even if you kind of trickle off and you're spotting towards the end, I still want you to count those days, just not the spotting in the beginning. Um, and then you're also going to track how much you're bleeding. How many pads are you filling up? How many tampons are you going through? How often are you going through them? How many times are you emptying out your menstrual cup? Those are all things that I want you to track too, because that tells me how heavy your bleeding is. and typically also gives me some insight into your estrogen and progesterone levels. If, um, if you have a really heavy bleed, I can assume that your estrogen levels are probably pretty high, um, because your estrogen is what stimulates that uterine lining and what's getting shed during a period is your uterine lining. So, so how much blood you're losing is also very important. And then any symptoms you have, and when do you have them in your cycle? Some people actually experience more of their symptoms around ovulation. There is that spike in that estrogen right before you ovulate. So again, that that's rise in estrogen and that fall again, that is what stimulates a lot of those symptoms for people. So when in your cycle, are you noticing those symptoms? What day of your cycle are you having them? And what symptoms are you having? Is it breast tenderness? Is it headaches? Is it, um, uh, migraines? Is it, uh, mood symptoms? And then anything else associated with your period? Do you have um, blood clots or do you have like really dark brown blood the whole time? Or is it bright red? Is it more pink? Like what color is your blood? So any, as much information as you can gather, I mm-hmm. appreciate it. I like to know every single last detail about your period. Um, I want to feel like I'm there with you bleeding. Mm-hmm. So I really, really like to have as much information as possible because it really gives me so much more insight into what's going on with your body. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then what about, I'm kind of you know shifting gears all over the place here, but I, I want to make sure that we cover everything. And, and I'm yeah. curious about... You made a video how you wouldn't, it was like the 
four things I wouldn't, I wouldn't do looking back or something like that. And it was about oh, for my birth daughter, control yeah. pills, right? It was about mm-hmm. birth control pills. And it was interesting to me. So I, I have a daughter, she's 13 now, but when she was 12, she had just, mm-hmm. I think she had just turned 12 and she had just started her period. And I took her to the dermatologist and the dermatologist <laughs> for acne. And the dermatologist oh, yeah. said, you know, we can do this and we can do this. And she's like, we can also, I can prescribe the birth control pill for her acne. And I like my jaw hit the floor. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, and I'm like, absolutely not. Like she's, she's she just turned 12. And, um, and, but I was on the pill from age 15 to 31 for birth control. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me wonder, I have, a, I have a couple of questions like, A, why do you not want that to like, let's talk about it. Like, why is mm-hmm. that not like a go-to? And also, are you seeing... Or do we know, or like, is there any research done on like long-term studies on women who might be in their, you know, forties, fifties and sixties who are on birth control for, you know, over a decade and does it have any long-term effects that, that researchers know of? So currently we haven't seen quote unquote, the long-term effects, but we do know that it can affect your microbiome. It can affect your gut health. There are some nutrient depletions with like B vitamins and a lot of the stuff that we need for liver support that it, it can um, cause issues with. So there are some like the, of these functional things that we're seeing that birth control can cause issues with. Not only that, a majority, pretty much everyone I see are people who either didn't want to be on birth control or tried it and they just felt miserable on it. Mm-hmm. So there are side effects when you're on it, right? Yeah. So I had a lot of people who were like, I had tons of hair loss when I was on birth control or mm-hmm. my moods were all over the place. I had some friends that had some pretty significant side effects that just could not, could not be on it. Right. And that was me too. I tried birth control for a few months and I was miserable. I was so depressed. I was so anxious. I was like, I wanted to cry all the time. And I was like, this just doesn't, I feel awful. I don't, I don't Mm want to feel like this. I would, you know, rather the alternative. And so I had to get off of it too. And I know, you know, so many other people struggle with that too. I'm always a proponent of if the only reason you're using it is for preventing pregnancy, that's one thing, but I really don't like it being used for covering up the symptoms that you have with your hormones, because there's something going on, right? Why are we just slapping a bandaid on it and calling mm-hmm. it a day? We want to really look into why are you having period pain? Why are you, why are your periods coming twice a month? Why are they so heavy? Why do you have such big clots? Why are you having um, irregular periods? Why are you having trouble with um, whatever it is that you're having trouble with, right? There's a reason behind it. And I don't, want to tell people like, it's fine. Take birth control till you mm-hmm. want to get pregnant and we'll deal with it then. Cause that's just yeah. not fair to them. Those problems are getting worse. That's interesting. Cause like, I, I just wanted to say like, yeah, I know people. And this was probably back in the nineties and two thousands. Mm-hmm. I had friends that were in their twenties and teens and twenties who were having either really heavy periods or irregular periods and got put on birth control to quote unquote, fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're talking about. Like, like let's yep. that, that that's not that's not the right. solution. And it's still happening. It's still happening okay. every single day. It still mm-hmm. happens. I have so many patients that come to me and they're like, I was told that I could take birth control and wait until I get pregnant and then do fertility treatment then. Mm-hmm. Um, like those are the options that they're given. And there's just so many more things that we can do to figure out, well, why are you having those problems in the first place? I'll, most of the time, none of that was explored. I look back and I'm like, I had pretty bad anxiety. Never in a million years would I have connected it with birth control pills. Did it get better when you got off of birth control? Yes and no, because I got off and then and then had two babies, like mm, pretty much okay. back to back, and then had really <laughs> bad, had really bad postpartum anxiety with my oh, first yep. one. 
and I had, you know, just gotten off of it, but not with my second. So, um, and it's been a lot like worlds better. And I just chalked it up to like, well, I'm in a much better relationship now. And like, I'm (laughs) just more secure in my career, which those things are true. Yes. But I mean, there are a lot of variables, right? There are. (laughs) So it's hard to say. But if you are on birth control and experiencing a lot of anxiety and you're like, is it in my head? Most often it probably isn't in your head and it may totally be related to that. That's where I want to, you know, make that clear to people. Cause I think a lot of people are like, well, it's not supposed to be causing these issues. Like, I think it's just me. And you know, a lot of times it might just be the birth control. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know. (laughs) I was actually thinking about this, you know, as my, I have a 15 year old son too. So now my, my children are teenagers and I, I'm probably going to have to have the conversation about birth control. And I thought to myself, like, and I don't think I have any good friends that have teenage girls. So I'm like, what are, what are young women using these days for birth control? Like, is it, is the birth control pill still kind of like the number one go-to? It seems to be that way. I think a lot of women are still scared to get the IUD because it can be a painful insertion. Yeah. Um, I worked in a high school for a while in the health center um, when I was in med school and it seemed like a lot of the kids, I mean, this is it seems like a lot of the kids were using the the next one on the arm implant because okay. you can actually see it and feel it. And so then this like honestly made me cringe when I heard why they were like, oh, well, the guys can see if I actually have it or not. So they know I'm not lying. I oh was like, God. oh my God. I, yeah, it was a very cringeworthy moment when I heard what's happening behind, you know, in the teenage world. So yeah, it seems like that is kind of a popular one as well, but it seems like birth control is still kind of first line. That and like the shot, that's basically the same as birth control pill, right? Just given in another format. Very, very high doses. Yeah. Um, okay. I would say that probably is the one that has the most side effects for people because it's such a high dose all at once. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, my gosh, the, the birth control pill came came out what? In the 60s? Was it the 1960s? Yep. The 60s. Yep. It's been a minute. Like you would it's think. Been a minute. That you would think made we better. have better options. You would think. <laughs> We would have had men's birth control by now. Right. It's only been, you know, like we could send people to the moon and back and all other planets, but you we can't think. get men's birth control. <laughs> Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids, because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. 
I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Okay, well, let's talk about supplements. So are there any supplements that you recommend that women should absolutely be on to have better menstrual cycle health? So period pain in particular, one that I have found across the board that everyone loves and works really well and is very like safe, effective, gentle is raspberry leaf tea. Um, hmm. So if you haven't tried that one I think yet, I drank that, is- that when I was pregnant. Yes. Yep. A lot of people t- uh, take it in their third trimester to help prepare for labor as well. Cause yeah. it, it's a uterine tonic. So it helps to strengthen and relax the uterine muscles. Um, and so it can be really helpful to prepare for labor. It can also be really helpful for period pain. So, um, I love using that one as a tool for, um, for pain sometimes even works for heavy bleeding, but for m- most often I use it for pain. Did you like the taste of it? A lot of people no. complain about that. <laughs> no. I absolutely did not. Um, okay. And I okay. drank it with my second pregnancy. My first, my my first pregnancy was a cesarean section. He was a um, a frank bre- breach presentation, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I also had high blood pressure. It was best that he was a C section. And with my second one, I really mm-hmm. wanted to have a VBAC, a vaginal birth after cesarean, mm-hmm. and so hired a doula, and she was the one who recommended it. Just like we wanted to do everything that we could to set ourselves up for, for a, um, easy as possible labor and delivery. And it ended up going really well. Good. Yeah. Good. We were all very happy with the outcome and yeah. So that's, but no, I, I can't remember if I added honey to it or something. I'm sure I did. Yeah. I'm you not might one to just to like, <laughs> I don't, yes. I, if you're not a big tea drinker, it might be a uh-huh. little earthy for some people, but I, I don't know. I really loved it. I always drink it with other um, herbs in it. So okay. I think that helped the flavor too. So, but it is a really, a really great one to add in for period pain. So that's one of my go-tos. Another one is also magnesium. Again, very simple, very effective, really helps to relax you. I typically like to use the malate or glycinate form. If you're going to use citrate or oxalate, those are the ones that are most um, often found over the counter. Um, mm-hmm. those ones are more, they're not as well absorbed. So they sit in your gut and they pull all the water in and it helps if you're constipated, but you're not going to get as much of the, um, the muscle relaxing properties of it. So if you're going to do it for the pain, I would say do it in the glycinate or the malate form. Okay. So mm-hmm. what about when women start to reach their, you know, their, um, their late thirties into their forties, and maybe they're seeing some changes in their, their period or their skin or when should one see a doctor and like, what kind of doctor should we see? I think there's a lot of confusion in that. And like, what's normal. Cause like, sometimes we hear, Oh, you might skip a period here and there and like grow some face hair and like, you're fine. Like it's just part of, (laughs) you might turn into a gargoyle. That's right. Like a little mustache. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I, that's a good question. Cause I get a lot of people, um, uh, who are like just hitting 40 or like very early forties. And they're like, yeah, I'm like going through menopause and perimenopause. I'm like, no, you're really, unless, um, 
and even that is still kind of rare. Like unless your mom also went through menopause at a very early age, Mm -hmm. it's really unlikely that you are going through menopause or even perimenopause in your early forties. It's not until your late forties that you should be experiencing those symptoms. So if you're noticing changes to your period and they're getting lighter and further apart and irregular and just anything in general is changing with your period and you're not quite in that late forties, I would say, go get it checked out because there's something going on, right? There's something that's mm-hmm. changing. So if someone's telling you that it's just normal and they're just talking it up to menopause, um, I would say they are not doing their due diligence in looking a little bit further mm-hmm. at what might be going on. Okay. That's what my doctor, my OBGYN said, because mine were mm-hmm. getting closer together. I think when, mm-hmm. around when I turned 46, they were just like, I was always like clockwork, you know, 26, 27 days. And then it was like 25 Mm -hmm. days, 24 days. Mm -hmm. And then I had one that was 17 Mm -hmm. days, but then it went back to being like 24 Mm -hmm. days, 25 days. Mm -hmm. And she said, um, if you completely miss one, then give me a call if you have any other symptoms, but you know, this is pretty normal. Like what you're seeing, as long as they're not like all over the place and mine were also getting lighter, but I'd always Mm -hmm. had kind of a light period anyway, Uh but instead of four days, it was three days. And, and then I finally totally, I totally missed one. Uh, I think I've told the story on the podcast before, but can't remember if I did or not. No, I did. I did tell it. I called the office and the nurse said, so it had been like two months since I had my period. And my husband had a vasectomy nine years ago. And mm-hmm. she said, okay, well you took a pregnancy test. And I was like, no, <laughs> like, why? <laughs> my husband, and then I, and I had Googled it and the, the chances of getting pregnant or a failed vasectomy is less than 1%. And then I oh also Googled chances of conceiving naturally at age 47 and it was 5% or less. And so yeah. my husband looks at me and he's like, so there's a chain there's, it's not zero. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my zero. God, can you imagine? <laughs> and then because, because the, you know, technology is the way it is. I started seeing TikToks of women who were like 46, 47, who got mm-hmm. pregnant. Oh my God. <laughs> like, oh my God. So I ended up, he, he went immediately to Dollar General and got a pregnancy so test. <laughs> and it did come back negative. But that Ooh. feeling of like, oh my, am I going to be that 47 year old mom? <laughs> yes, I know. I know. It I happens. Know. It's scary, right? It does happen. It it's does rare, happen. But... That's why they say it. I know. Yeah. So anyway, all that to say, um, I am not pregnant everyone. <laughs> and, and also I just am at that phase of my life where, yeah, my period is kind of like, oh, we forgot, <laughs> we forgot that we needed to, to show up. But is there anything else in terms of, you know, when we, we get to that age and, like, I don't know, like my joints are, are hurting a little bit more. Like, is there anything else in terms of, I hear a lot of kind of conflicting information about like what exercise is best and like mm-hmm. eating and gut health and everything. So what's, what's your opinion on and advice? Like on getting into menopause? Yeah. Just like, even like, you know, late forties when things kind of start to yeah. change and we can't kind of, you know, eat the same that we were before mm-hmm. and just tired more easily. Like, are there any additional supplements or advice that you have for that, for just feeling better? Like before I even get into that, I will say, and this is kind of for the younger crowd, but it also works for the older crowd is that there is a lot of research to show that your muscle mass in your twenties is actually the predictor of 
your um, overall health in your fifties. So that is just a plug for, you know, make sure that you are taking care of your body, getting in that exercise, getting in that activity while you're young, because that is what carries you through in menopause, especially Hmm. because at around menopause, when your estrogen drops, that is what is that predictor of that bone density, right? Our estrogen is not there to help with that bone anymore. And that's where our muscle mass is really, really important. The reason that hip fracture is so prevalent in women in their sixties and seventies is because that muscle mass is just not there anymore. Um, so if you can go into your menopause age, um, with a good, good set of muscles on your bones, um, that is obviously the best thing we can do. That's prevention. But if you're already here, um, I would say working on strength training before you get to that point, um, is also very helpful. It's never too late to start, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the best time to start is, is always yesterday. The next best time is today. So you know, starting with strength training, resistance training, just building muscle on your frame is going to be really helpful. That's also going to help with your overall metabolism. As you start to feel like things are slowing down, adding in that muscle mass is going to help with your metabolism. It's going to help with your gut function. It's going to increase blood flow to your gut. It's going to help you feel like the foods you're eating are not just sitting there. So I would definitely say, um, don't underestimate how much exercise can do not only for your mental and like physical health, but just your hormonal health and like how you feel overall your gut health, like all these little things that you don't think are quite related to maybe exercising can definitely make a difference there. So, um, Mm -hmm. any, any strength training exercises that you love doing, definitely add that to your, to your list. And then, um, another thing also that I have found really helpful for my, um, like premenopausal and like menopausal age women is liver support. So as those hormones are just going, sometimes, you know, you'll get big pushes of estrogen and that's where those hot flashes are coming from. And it's just, your hormones are doing all kinds of crazy things are all over the place to help regulate that. Your liver is what is metabolizing everything in your body, including your hormones. And so when everything's just like too much, too little all over the place, you want that liver to make sure that everything is getting metabolized, especially when um, it's too much. So when you're having hot flashes and night sweats, it usually means estrogen um, is, is on the higher end. And so if we support your liver and getting rid of that estrogen, usually people start to feel better. Interesting. So, okay. That's pretty much like the consensus of, of what I've been hearing. Um, yeah. I don't know what I'm like waiting for somebody to be like, no, you should actually be napping <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> Just take naps, eat pizza. So many relax. naps, cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. so it's, it's pretty much, that's the consensus. And and I think mm-hmm. the thing that actually made me feel so much better is that as I got into like my mid forties, I, w- I was finding that the hard cardio workouts that I had always done were so mm-hmm. much harder and they would take so oh, much yeah. out of me. And mm-hmm. now what I'm hearing is like, just go on a walk like that mm-hmm. and weight train and just like low impact cardio. You don't, you're, you know, if your heart rate like does not go above 120, that's fine. That's fantastic. Like just great. Right? Just low impact. Yes. Yeah. And I'm love like, it. I can yep. do that. I low love impact. That. It's like the golden girls workout. Yes. I love it. I know. <laughs> I saw on TikTok, they were calling them hot girl walks. I was like, yes, <laughs> yeah. hot girl walks. <laughs> Walking. Yeah. I used to think it was really boring, but that was when I could do a really hard workout and it was fine. Right? Like, I know. I get it. I now, get it now. Yeah. Now that I'm so much more tired, now that I have a daughter that I have to entertain, I'm mm-hmm. like, let's go for a walk. It's, yeah. it's great. Two birds, one stone. <laughs> Be outside if you can and, and all of that mm-hmm. good stuff. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate this. And I'm, I'm trying to get like a, a range of experts talking about women's hormone from different perspectives of, you know, still mm-hmm. being in the 
phase of life where we have a regular period and we're yeah. talking to people who specialize in, in menopause. And I just appreciate your perspective and your time today. Is there anything you want to circle back to, to make sure that you say, so you can feel complete before we close up? I feel like we touched on a lot of topics. So, you know, just know that if something feels off in your body, like don't, don't discredit that. Okay. I think yeah. I get a lot of people who come to me and they're like, I don't know if this is normal. I was told it's not, but if it feels off in your body, you know, your body better than anyone else. So just trust that. Yes. I, I hear that just, that's a whole nother conversation about trusting yes. yourself and trusting your <laughs> yes. body. And, um, I appreciate you so much. Uh, your, the link to your website is going to be in our show notes, Dr. Sarubala, and then also your social media as well. And you're at Dr. Sarubala on TikTok as well, right? And Instagram. Yep. Yep. Both okay. TikTok and Instagram. Okay. I have, I have found your videos, your social media so helpful. I just, I love those like bite-sized nuggets of, of information. And yes. um, thank you again so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And everyone listening, thank you so much for your time. I'm so grateful that you choose to spend your time with me and my guests. And remember it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes, andreaowen.com slash free. And you just sign up, you get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're gonna talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.